I was the, um, the guy last Sunday who didn't get to stand up and share. <clears throat> so Cody wasn't going to let me off the hook. And I'm grateful for that because God is, uh, he's always teaching us new lessons. And um, even if we don't necessarily want to participate in those lessons. <laughs> and uh, probably it was about you know five, six months ago when... Um, Cody and I were talking about just the idea of end fire or the idea of the, the theme of, of um, engaging in the spiritual battle. Um, and I thought, well, let me take a step back real quick. I thought, oh, the Lord, he, you know, I want to be used by him. I want to take advantage of opportunities that he brings my way and that he sends forth. And, oh, it'd be so exciting. And all of a sudden, I'm talking with Cody and, oh, here's an opportunity that uh, Andrew can be a part of and that could be stretched in some ways that he hasn't been challenged uh, in before. And so I'm, in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, yes, Lord, me, 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 me. And then it was almost a reality in this conversation. I thought, oh, oh, that's, this, this could be real. This could be very real. So you know, I'm, I'm so grateful for that week. Uh, thank you all the guys or to all the guys who were a part of that. Uh, because I was blessed by y'all tremendously, each and every single one of y'all individually, um, you know, in ways that you probably won't know, and, and I'm still learning and growing in now. Um, so I just want to share with y'all uh, uh, one of the messages or lessons that um, that I got to speak or share with the guys uh, coming from Ephesians 6, <clears throat> verse 12. And it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So I was talking to guys about the spirituality of wrestling and uh, didn't realize how spiritual wrestling could actually be. So that was pretty, a pretty exciting thing. I thought, oh, man, this is awesome. And we get a, in our minds, in my mind, I thought, nah, wrestling is a bunch of, you know, rolling around with sweaty guys and getting tangled up is, you know, that could be pretty exciting. Um, in my mind, most people wouldn't think so probably, but so you know, I, I brought a definition to the guys and I said, when we talk about wrestling, when the scripture speaks of wrestling, you know, we're talking about, uh, let me give you a spiritual definition in, of wrestling and that's to oppose and a, a tendency or force to combat rather is a better word. I like that stronger word is to combat an opposing tendency or force. Ask the guys. What is this opposing tendency or force? We have to ask ourselves that as Christians uh, who are engaging in the daily battle um, all the time. So it's, uh, it's the old man flesh. This is our, our opposing force or tendency that is inside of us that we war or that we should be warring and engaging with on a daily basis. And I want to read uh, to y'all. Scripture verse. That's Romans 7, beginning in uh, 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. 
Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not that I do. And so this is the picture I wanted to paint for the guys that's of that spiritual wrestling that we're engaging in. It's, you know, old man flesh over here, and then the new man, uh, the creature that's been saved by Christ and redeemed by him for his glory and honor, is wrestling with this guy. You know, ah, you just picture yourself punching yourself in the face. No, no, ow, stop that. Ah, get away, get off me. Uh, and then over here, he's like, no, I need to love, I need to serve, I need to focus on the creator and what he's created me to do. So I told the guys, we need to think about this. We need to, this is, this is for real. You know, in some ways, it's because it's a, a spiritual thing in realms that we, we cannot physically see or tangibly feel or hold or taste or smell. Um, it just, it's sometimes it's not real enough for us. I said, guys, this is very real. This is very real. And so I went on and, and uh, got a share with them from uh, Samson's life. Through, uh, that was Judges 13 through 16 in the life of Samson. And man, here is, here's a guy who, you know, every man might want to have some level of strength uh, like that. You think, whoosh, this guy, he tore lions to pieces. He ripped city gates off of, off of walls, city walls. Um, he killed a thousand Philistine men in a single day in, in battle. Um, he brought down a building. That had 3,000 people on top of it. It's a big building. Um, so these are huge feats. These are tremendous feats of physical strength. But that's not where the strength, the message of the strength is actually lighted. It's not in Samson. It's not in Samson's long hair, um, thankfully. Because I got some pretty short hair, I think. I'd be one of the weakest guys out there. Um, but this is, this is it's, um, it, it was a story that shows God's, faithfulness to his people because despite Samson and despite his weaknesses and flaws, God used him in a very mighty way as a judge over the Philistine people for the Israelites. Um, and so if I can just read also briefly in uh, Romans eight thirteen, it says, for if ye live after the flesh, Samson was kind of living after the flesh in his life. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. And so if we mortify the flesh, if we combat that tendency that's opposing what the, the work of Christ and what he's done on the cross for you and for me, we have a promise of eternal life. So that's, that's exciting news right there in, in and of itself. Um, and then just to close up uh, and kind of bring, bring things full circle here. And this is just a kind of a summation of, of the message that I got to share with the guys. Um, it was a, a devotional actually <clears throat> that we thankfully, you know, it's not so oftentimes, you know, as, as men or as guys, we think, um, you know, we could handle we can handle ourselves in different situations that we find ourselves, the different struggles, the different temptations, 
um, the different scenarios of life that uh, that we need to engage on a daily basis, we think, oh, you know what, I can handle that. Um, in my mental abilities, I can handle it in, with my physical abilities, um, whatever it happens to be. We think that we, by our own strength, we can, we can overcome these things. But through Samson's life uh, and his testimony, actually kind of opposites, backwards. We don't. We can't handle these things by our own strength or through our own strength. It's actually through God's strength because, as it says, um, or as it said multiple times through Judges, speaking in Samson's life, any time that he did have an incredible or he did accomplish an incredible feat of strength, so the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. So it wasn't even Samson's strength. It wasn't that strong because when he lost his strength, his, his physical strength and ability to do these things, to kill a thousand men in a day. At the end of the day, when he failed and when the Lord allowed him to be overtaken, he was only as strong as any other man who can push a grindstone, grinding up the flour for the Philistines. Blind at that because he couldn't even keep his own eyes as the Philistines plucked those from his face. So... Where does the strength come from? You know, how can we have the assurance that Christ is with us, that God is for us, and that he has defeated the enemy already? So I pointed uh, the guys a a few verses. One of them here is uh, Philippians 4.13. It says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. So it's Christ who strengthens us. It's not myself. It's not my attempt to gain strength through physically working out. Uh, or eating well, it's it's only the work of Christ in my heart, in your heart, that can conform us to his image, to the image of his son, and actually work through us to accomplish great feats for his glory and for his kingdom. So again, just thank you guys. Thank you everyone who, who was there, because you know, you've blessed me tremendously just with the opportunity to share and to... Um, and to, to study the scriptures a little bit deeper, a little bit more, and push myself maybe to a point that I wouldn't have gone otherwise. So I'm looking forward to next year. But thank you all. I'm so thankful for the opportunity today just to share really about what God is doing around the world and in ways that he's answering prayers and also in ways that he worked in my life as well. And while Jonathan sets up my computer, if you don't mind if we just open in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that um, you are faithful and that your promises are true, Lord. And I just thank you that you allowed me just to be Uh, the representative of all the prayers that were answered here, to be able to see firsthand the way that you answer those prayers. Father, I pray that my thoughts and my words would be your thoughts and words this morning, and I just pray that you would um, encourage everyone in this room, Lord, that you hear prayer and that you are working in ways that we cannot imagine on our own, Lord. I just pray that you would um, be with us this morning and that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So I would like just to start out this morning... um, 
By just saying, honestly, God is faithful. And that is one of the biggest things that came across to me in this trip. Um, I wasn't exactly sure what to expect. Um, I'm, I went with my nursing school from Mississippi, and it was a really huge blessing for me to be able to go with my professors and my other classmates and to be able to just serve alongside each other and to give away the skills that we've been working on for the past year and a half together. And I would like to just start by reading 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. And I'm sure that many of you have heard this before, but this verse became very real to me throughout this trip. Verse 9 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And I think I can speak on behalf of our whole team that uh, we were weak throughout this trip in and of ourselves, but through Christ we were strong. And God really worked a lot of miracles that I would like to share with you this morning. Um, when the pictures come up, we'll start with that. Um, I guess I'll go ahead and just start while we wait for the pictures about a few of the things that God really taught me through this trip. And that is that, you know, life is really short. And when I went to see... Uh, the people in Columbia, I did realize that life is so short, and just to realize that every moment really does count. And so God just uh, really worked in my heart to help me realize that I need to make each moment count even more every day. And also just to be very, the gift of transparency and vulnerability became very real to me, and to see the blessing of knowing how God is working in others' lives and in your life and to be willing to admit how you're struggling and how people can rejoice with you and pray for you uh, became really real to me on this trip. And so my prayers I share this morning is that I can just be transparent and open with you and that uh, you will be encouraged and blessed as you hear about what God is doing in the country of Columbia. Um, this picture, I'm going to kind of go picture by picture and share answers to prayer and things from that. If that's okay with y'all. We're going to be moving pretty quick, but we're going to make it. <laughs> um, this picture here uh, was the picture outside of my airplane window as we were landing into the Amazon area of Letitia, Columbia. And the fact that there was a rainbow there really meant a lot to me because we found out once we arrived in Columbia that we would be pioneering five new villages that had never been reached before with the gospel and also with medical care. And so that immediately, of course, put a little bit of fear in our team because this became very real that, you know, we didn't know exactly how we would be received and we didn't know if these people would be receptive to the gospel because Columbia is a closed country. And so to see that promise of God's rainbow out the window was just that reminder that I am there, I'm faithful, and I have everything under perfect control. So that's what I wanted to share about that picture. This is our team after we arrived, after traveling for about 25 hours. And behind the picture, you'll see some little bars back there. And the praise that I would like to share from this picture is that when we arrived, we were told that we needed a certain amount to get through customs in U.S. dollars. And come to find out, they didn't accept U.S. dollars. They only accepted pesos. And the majority of us had not changed over our money yet. And so we prayed as a team, and we just collected everything that we had in pesos. And it was just barely enough to get us through. So... That was a huge answer to prayer that we saw right there. This is our old faithful for the trip. Um, this is the way we, we had our transportation in the Amazon. Um, as soon as we arrived in Letitia, we spent one night in a hotel there. And then 
the, all of us, all 19 of us, I have a picture coming up, would pile in there with all of our bags and all of our stuff. And let's just say we all became very good friends very quickly. Um, and we took seven, a seven-hour ride down the Amazon River into five of the unreached people groups in Colombia. And this boat became so, so, <laughs> a lot of good memories happened on this boat. We had a lot of good conversations and just a lot of good times. And thank God it never sank. I just kept waiting for the day. I was like, you know, it's getting kind of heavy. <laughs> but we were grateful. And honestly, the little, um, what do you call that thing? I can never remember. What? Hammock. That's it. The hammock in the back. That is where our boat driver would sleep every night to kind of protect our stuff. So I thought that was just, and he was so thankful for that. So that really spoke to me as I was able to camp. I still was so thankful for our tent and everything. This is when we first arrived in the village of San Juan, and this was kind of our base camp for the whole week that we were there. And it was so incredible to see the reaction of the people when we came because they had never seen anything quite like us before, and they weren't sure why we were there and what we were going to do. And um, we just had so much fun beginning to interact with these people. And San Juan became one of the biggest answers to prayer, as you'll hear about a little later. This is just kind of the surrounding area of the village there. It's very lush. It rains there every day. And it's, this was my little bed. Um, it was about a half-inch foam mat. I was definitely, in all honesty, the most uncomfortable I've ever been because I've never camped. I really hadn't. Um, but I was so thankful because, honestly, the people didn't have anything close to that at night, every night when I went to sleep. And so it was a huge stretching experience for me, but I'm so thankful for that. Okay, and then this was the view outside of my tent on the Amazon River. It was very beautiful there. Okay, I want to talk for a moment about the power of teamwork. This is another big thing that I learned throughout this trip. Uh, we would wake up every morning about 6 o'clock in the morning, and we would have a devotion as a team. We would pack our backpacks full of all of our medical gear, um, all of our stethoscopes and blood pressure cuffs and first aid things. And then we would basically load all of the things that we had from our base camp down the muddy slopes. And they were, pre they were pretty steep um, to go all the way down to that little boat that y'all saw earlier. And that was our routine every day, going and coming back, because we would go up and down the Amazon River for about 30 to 45 minutes each day. And there's no way that we could have accomplished this without teamwork because we were loading dental chairs up and down the banks. We were loading medication buckets. We were loading all kinds of different um, water buckets and scalpels and all kinds of materials you wouldn't believe. And so the fact that we had that teamwork and that power as a team is one answer to y'all's prayer because I had really asked for y'all to pray for unity. And God really did give us unity. And looking back, there were so many opportunities for conflict and for the whole thing just to break down. But God was so faithful to keep that strong. And getting into the boat was always fun. It was slippery. It was dangerous, but God was so faithful to keep us safe and to prevent us from getting seasick as the boat would rock like this for about 30 minutes while everything got loaded. And a lot of people honestly did have trouble with seasickness, but the entire trip, no one got sick. So that was a tremendous answer to prayer. This is the little soccer team that I had the privilege of working with while I was there in the village of San Juan. And the biggest thing that God worked in my life through the experience of being able to be a soccer coach was to really depend on him because I don't know much about soccer at all. And I made up the weirdest warm-up exercises. I don't even know if they were effective, but we had a lot of fun. Uh, 
some good laughs. Um, but it was just such a bonding experience to do that with my, my friend Kim. And in the evenings, when we would come back from our base camp of doing medical care throughout the days, uh, we would come back and play soccer with the children, four different teams that we had. And this was really our way of reaching this village for the gospel, to build a relationship with them, because really the only type of entertainment that they have in Colombia is through soccer. You know, they don't have the TVs and the Internet and all that other fun stuff that sometimes we have here. And so through soccer, we were able to build that relationship, and the entire family would come, and the grandparents would come, and all the kids would come. And so we would do a couple games of soccer, and then we would have a time of doing, whether it was a skit about Jonah or about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and we would slowly just introduce the gospel to them through that and then finish up the evening with soccer. So this was during one of the sharing times that we had with the people there. And these people are so thankful for so many little things. And they're so, they, I never saw dissatisfaction in them. And, you know, the translators would always translate to me that they had nothing but gratitude for their lives, for the things that God provided for them. Um, as you'll see in a later picture here, these are some wild pineapples that grow, like, right outside their doors. Um, there are jungle swings for the kids that they swing on vines. I did try it the first time I fell, and it was uncomfortable, but I tried again, and I had some fun. Um, <laughs> but it's amazing the way these people are so resourceful. And for the way, because, you know, when I first came there and I saw from what my perspective would have been poverty, to them it was not poverty because God had provided for all of their needs in the sense that when they go out into the forest and they see trees, they use the tree bark to make some clothes. You know, they use the tree branches to make blankets and to make baskets. And it was just incredible to see the way that they use everything that God has provided for them so that they are provided for. And they're so thankful for that. And they're not dissatisfied. And another thing I wanted to mention um, was the mentorship that I saw between especially the dads and the sons. And basically where I was in these five villages, there is no such thing as a job where you get a paycheck or you know, you have ways of having money. It's all about barter, and it's all about your trade, and it's all about providing for your family. And these men are strong men. They stay up all night, every night, so that they can hunt for crocodiles and different fish and things to pr literally provide for their family for the next day. And the guys would always tell me, well, we don't come home until we have something, because that's all their family has. And that... At first, it kind of broke my heart because I thought, wow, I take so much for granted. I just run to H-E-B if I'm hungry, you know. But these people, they'll, they'll wait all night long. And if it's raining, whatever the weather is, they have to be patient so that they can provide for their family. And about the 15, 14, 15-year-old 15 sons will go with their dads all night long. And they'll run the boat and they'll learn. And, you know, within five or six years, they'll be doing the same thing. And so that really just gave me a vision with the moms doing the same thing with the girls. It was just such a beautiful picture of a lot of the things that our church has mentored us young people in. So that really touched my heart. This is the little soccer team that I had. And I want to just talk for a moment about Roman on the far left. Um, he was the kid that was bullied in the village all the time. And you could just see it. The kids would come over to him and pick on him and just pull him down. And he was just very insecure. And my prayer from the beginning of the trip became, God, please strengthen this, this young man. Please encourage him. Allow him to feel his significance in you. And it just reminded me as a picture of how God is so caring for each of us, even though we don't deserve his love and his attention. I just felt so blessed to realize that 
you know, God does care about each and every one of us. And as the week went along, I saw him gain that courage and that confidence as a goalie. And I saw the other kids in the village begin to show him more respect and kindness. And actually later in the week, he was one of many that came to know the Lord. And that just encouraged my heart so much to know that he, he has the gift of Christ in his life. This was, I'm so sorry, I don't have as many pictures as I would like of me actually providing medical care to the children and to the adults there, but they asked us really to just focus on our ministry and not take as many pictures while we were working. So I've got some, but not quite as many. Um, In this picture, this is my friend Joy on the right, and we're administering albendazole, which is a type of anti-parasite medication, because all of the people, literally probably 90% of the people in each village do have intestinal parasites from the water that they drink and from bathing and doing all their laundry and cooking from the Amazon River. So it is sad. It really causes a lot of medical um, things for them and a lot of different malnourishment. But we treated all the little kids with this medication, and they are troopers because I made the mistake of eating a grub, so I did have to actually take this myself when I came home, Um, and it really tastes bad, and these kids just took it and were so thankful, and so I I had a great respect for them. (laughs) Throughout this, this trip, the power of prayer was really something that our team felt was very important, And with each patient that would come through, we had about eight different stations, and each person would go to different stations depending on what their needs were. And at each station, whether they were able to understand fully or not, we did pray with them. And that was just so incredible to see the way that God used that to work in their lives because while we were doing the medical care, there were different areas where the gospel was being shared and where the children were having coloring activities and the parents were being mentored and encouraged and prayed for. It was just incredible to see the way that God answered those prayers in those those people's lives. I just want to talk for a moment um, about different ways that we got around on foot once we were in the Amazon. Um, Sometimes we would cross a river on a log, like what you see here. And I will say that I think that, honestly, God helped me to face a lot of my fears. And before I went, I thought, well, I can probably handle this. You know, it's not going to be too bad. And then I would get in some situations, and I would think, this is, this is pretty bad. <laughs> so um, I was just so thankful that when I was uncomfortable or nervous, God really did provide for us. And he would give me little reminders along the way, as you see in this picture. As this man just took my hand and led me across the log. And it was actually, you can't see in this picture, but it was pretty deep. It was just that reminder of God saying, you know what, I'm here, and I'm taking your hand, and I'm leading you, and I have you, and I'm, I'm there for you. And that was incredible, just to see that, that every morning, you know, when I would wake up, we had to remember that we planned on coming back at the end of that day. We planned on everything going well. We, we planned on, you know, God protecting us. But we also knew that that was not a guarantee. And, you know, this honestly was the first trip that I've ever taken where, you know, before I went, I had to sign something saying, I can't remember what the form is called, but I had to sign something saying, if I don't come back, my stuff is, you know, my dad's or whatever. And that became very real to me when I left because I thought so many times, you know, I'll run out in the car, I'll go do something, and I just expect to come back. And God does provide for us in so many ways, but this trip really stretched my faith and made me think about the fact, am I willing to go somewhere that I feel like God is calling me to go no matter the cost? And that, honestly, I really did have to think about that. And every morning, I would trust that God would work his perfect plan, but we had no guarantee of how we would be received in these places. And God was faithful to bring us back, and I hope that I have more time, you know, on this earth to be able to do do more things like this. Um, 
Another thing is that in Colombia, it's because it is a closed country, um, God protected us. When, like, I had Bibles with me and tracts and different things that you really aren't supposed to have in Colombia. Um, I had a lot of government people question me, you know, throughout my time there before I got into more of the rural areas. And God was so faithful, you know, in those chapters where you read the apostles giving their defense and God gives you the words. When you have those questions asked to you, God gives you the words to speak. And he was faithful to do that for our entire team of 19 people. Right. Oh, I want to talk really quickly about our outfits here. Um, I don't know if you can see, but we would wear uh, kind of rain boots every morning, galoshes, with a pair of scrubs, and hopefully your hair would kind of be out of your face. And we definitely did the no makeup look, which was new, but it was it was great. You know, we all survived. Um, and the the thing is, honestly, it is so muddy and sticky there that we would take one foot and your your boat would literally sink probably six, seven inches. And then someone would come and help you, like, you know, get it out. And then, like, you'd step into the next one. And so it was just a whole teamwork thing. I mean, it was a very new experience. I'm not generally muddy, but I was. And I, I had some fun with it. So it was great. <laughs> this is the village of San Francisco. And, you know, when I heard San Francisco, I thought, oh, I wonder if this is similar to the one, you know, we have back here. And um, it is. Literally, it is, y'all. The spiritual depression and the... Um, the feeling of oppression there was unreal, and the spirit of witchcraft, witchcraft was um, really heavy in this village. And you might be able to see up ahead there that little pathway leading up the hill that actually turns into about 500 stairs hiking up a mountain. And we got off the, the boat the morning, and we're like, okay, you know, we see a little pathway, and we're hiking up, and we're carrying the dental chairs, and it's like you just look up, and it's just stair after stair after stair, and we thought, ah. <gasps> this is going to be really intense, you know? And, and so um, we were just trying to chug up the hill and take a little break. And it was like, you know, God would just provide these guys from nowhere. These villagers would just come up and be like, oh, I got it. You know, and they would take our stuff and they just zoom up the mountain. It was like God's reminder that, okay, you know, we're, we're feeling tired when we're weak, then we're strong like that, you know? And it was just, it was really an encouragement to us, but God was faithful. Um, and it reminded me that, you know, sometimes ministry can be a sacrifice, but that sacrifice is so worth it if God's calling you to do that. And God was calling our team to do that, and he was faithful to give us the strength that we needed. And one testimony of prayer I want to share about this village in San Francisco is that as the day went along, we prayed a lot, and a lot of people didn't want the prayer, and there was a lot of spiritual warfare going on. But God was so faithful to help us have a successful ministry experience there, and we are we're so thankful for that. And another thing that happened there was I got very severely dehydrated to the point where I was actually having some trouble processing, you know, their questions and trying to figure out what was wrong. And I'll never forget that experience because, you know, so many times once you go through nursing school or med school or whatever, you kind of think, oh, I'm okay. Why would that, why would dehydration happen to me? You know, I'm going to drink water and stuff. And um, no, I mean, it's real. And it was one of those things where I just had to just trust God as I laid there. And, you know, they thought maybe I had diabetes or something. They were trying to give me suckers. And I just remember thinking, suckers? Like, I don't, I don't think I need suckers right now. Um, but <laughs> um, long story short, I did lay there for about two hours. And it just gave me time to really reflect and just to realize that, you know, God was in control of my health, too, and of my physical stability while I was there. And gave me such a beautiful time just to reflect on what had happened on that trip because we were so busy doing so many wonderful things that we didn't have as much time to just sit there and really take in God's work. And so that became actually a blessing for me to have that experience. 
Um, right now, I'd like to just take a quick break and read an excerpt from a journal that I kept while I was there about um, the nighttime there and the stars that I saw in the sky. The stars here are beautiful beyond belief. They are crystal clear, and I've never seen a night sky where I could see galaxy after galaxy staring back at me. And to know that God knows them all by name. It makes me realize and be humbled to think that God cared enough about me to make him, me his child. It is something I don't deserve, and it makes me want to share that gift with the people even more. I'm being stretched beyond what I've ever been stretched, but God is good and faithful. When I am weak, then I am strong. I'm thankful that God is fulfilling the promises he works all things together for good. Currently, I'm in my tent on my little mat with the light of a baby flashlight. It's time for bed to be rested for another great day of ministry. I'm soaked in sweat. The air is not moving. The bugs here are huge and more abundant than ever before. And the creatures of the night are more active than ever. But I am sleeping in luxury compared to most. I am blessed and I am thankful. And, you know, that just brings back memories for me about, you know, the fact that I would go go back to my tent and what would be considered luxury. And these people would go back to, you know, shelters that just have basically a platform with a roof that you'll see a little later. And I, I still, to this day, am very thankful. This is a picture um, here of the check-in station that we had where people would come and figure out, you know, where they wanted to go in case y'all are kind of wondering what that looks like. And then we would have the different stations numbered. And these are the nicest buildings that they have in all of their communities. They were so hospitable. And we would just have the different stations and move around and do all kinds of different stuff for, for these people. Um, this is the height and weight station. I have to talk about this for a minute. Because before, when, you know, nursing school, when I would take height and weight, I thought, okay, I'm just going to get the height and weight. It's not that special. You know, you don't, you're not doing shots or anything. But... It is so special to do height and weight in Colombia, these places in the Amazon, because these people don't know how tall they are. They don't know how much they weigh. And so it became such a fun, fun experience, you know, as they would come in and, you know, two guys would just hold their hand and be like, okay, who's, who's going to be heavier and who's going to be taller? And I mean, it was just so much fun. And we just had so much joy in the middle of that. This is the dental clinic, y'all. I... Don't think I'm meant to be a dentist, and God was so kind to help me get through this day because um, I was I was always praying because there was the dental station. I thought, Lord, you know, you know, I don't really like going to the dentist, and no offense to any dentists out there or future dentists, but I mean, I was like, I just know I'm going to nursing school for a reason, not dental school. And so when they said, Grace, you're going to be the person helping to fill cal- like cavities and pull teeth and stuff, I thought. Oh, Right? Okay, yes, absolutely, I'll do that, you know. And um, God was so gracious throughout the day. This became one of my favorite days, you know, as I learned how to fill cavities and how to be able to do the work that, in my mind, was the scariest for me to do. God really strengthened me in that and helped me to have a really positive experience in the middle of that. This is, this is the home that I was speaking about earlier, um, how the people um, just sleep on the the basic platform and then have the open air to all the elements. I mean, it rains there. And when you first go to bed, it's extremely hot and you get really, really sweaty and stuffy in there. And then by the morning, it's really cold, probably in the fifties. And so we didn't prepare for that. And so by, you know, every morning we were freezing cold when we woke up, but I just remembered, you know, these people don't even have, you know, a lot of what we have in here. And I can't imagine what they go through every night too. So and also, my dad, being the expert meteorologist that he is, reminded me that we were about four degrees away from the equator. So I think that has something to do with it. 
right? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I'm not quite there with the meteorology. I'm working on it. Um, this is a picture of the crocodile that I actually went to hunt with this man, and it, it did take longer than I expected. It, these are not easy because they don't have, you know, all the nice electronic guns and things that we have. They just use um, kind of like harpoons and stuff. It was really unique, but and they're so silent. I mean, these people are so silent when they do it. It'll be sitting right there, and you would just not even hear them throw it. It was incredible. Um, but one answer to prayer is that we had been going probably about three hours, and I moved my feet in the bottom of the boat with a friend, and we heard some sloshing. And I thought, oh, did that just happen? And she's like, Grace, the, it's filling up. I said, okay. All right. Because um, I look around, there's land nowhere in sight, you know. And, and so we kind of alerted, you know, one of the guys in the back, hey, I think the boat's filling up with water. And um, God was just so gracious because we looked all around and we couldn't find anything to scoop the water. And I thought, oh, Lord, please, I'd rather go for the gospel or something, not, you know, in the middle of a situation like this, you know. Um, and so I was like, please just get us out of this one. And so um, we found somewhere in the back, he found this little tiny cup and he spent probably the next two hours just bailing water out of the out of the boat and god protected us and we had an excellent time and a very memorable experience um these are just some of the children there and when we would go these children would come from miles away because they alerted them that we were coming and like i said we never knew how we would be received but often villages two or three of them would walk you know 10 miles or so just to come to be able to get medical care and through that they also received you know the love of jesus this is a sloth. You know, you can't go to the Amazon without holding something. Um, and I want to just talk about a sloth for a moment because sloths are exactly kind of what I thought. They might be very slow moving, you know, and very calm. And it just kind of reminded me about, it taught me personally a life lesson about being flexible and patient and calm because this little guy was passed probably through 15 of us. And by the time he got to me, he was just so, so sweet and so loving. And I thought, well... If I, if I was passed around and you know, chugged around like that, it would sure be nice if I could always be as peaceful and calm as he was. And the other thing is I'm not going to try to compare Jesus to a sloth. But what I did learn from that personally was that, you know, when you hold a sloth, they kind of put their arms around you, and then they just gently kind of pull you tight, and they just hold you there. And it just gave me that sense of security as I realized, you know, that's what God does. God does us. He just lovingly pulls us in, and he just holds us there, you know. And that just was a very comforting reminder to me through the sloth, honestly. <laughs> Um, I want to talk for a moment about the elderly population and those who suffer from mental illness in Colombia. They are the outcasts. They are considered invaluable. They are mistreated. They're not treated at all, frankly. Um, and so when we came to this particular village and, you know, had some elderly and also had the, you know, one of the guys from the village that did suffer from mental illness, um, the, the people told us, oh, you don't need to treat them. You know, and we said, well, well, why is that? You know, oh, you don't, don't worry about them. You know, it's not going to help them. And that really, really shocked our team. We thought, well, how could you not help those people? You know, and so we did treat them. But what happened through that is that the people in the village wanted to know what was different about us because it's like, well, why would you care about those people? You know, they're, they're not the special ones, you know. And so through that, the Colombian people were really ministered to through that. And also I feel like, you know, God just reminded me that, I am like one of those people, and he found me, and he cared about me, and he treated my heart, which so desperately continues to need that. So I'm so thankful. Um, one answer to prayer is that on, these are the two Colombian dentists that joined us for our trip, 
And the dentist on the far right did not know the Lord. I don't know if he knows the Lord right now, but as of the end of our trip, he still didn't know the Lord. And I had brought two Bibles with me from the States, one of which I gave to Roman, the goalie I mentioned earlier. And I had one left, and I had written in the front, and I looked at my friend, and I said, you know, I'm really praying. It's our last night. I don't know who to give this Bible to because there are so many people here that could really use a Bible. And as soon as I had said that, he reached down and tapped me on the shoulder and asked through a translator if he could have the Bible. And I thought, that's a very immediate answer to prayer, and that's exactly who God wants to have that Bible. And I was able to, you know, just mark it, you know, those those key verses in the Bible. And I've never seen someone take a Bible and just hug it close and treasure it, you know. And I think about the fact that I have five Bibles at home, and I have my own Bible, and I love my Bible, but how often do I take it and just treasure it physically that I just am so blessed to have that book? And so I would ask y'all, if you do remember him, to be praying, you know, that God would continue to work in his life and that he would find what he's searching for. And this is Jaime. Um, He was literally the lifesaver of our trip. He did everything you can imagine. Um, But I just want to share about his life for a little bit, just to especially encourage a lot of my friends out here that are my age. Um, He really inspired me a lot. He came from a broken family, and he lived on the streets and was into a lot of, you know, different alcohol and drugs and things like that. And someone found him and shared the love of Jesus with him and took him to church. And he could not deny the love that he felt there, and he wanted to know what that was. And he found Jesus and literally has sold his life out to Christ. And in his own words, he said he wants to pioneer Columbia for Christ. And so I really do believe that he is one of the future leaders of bringing Christ to the unreached peoples in Columbia. And the fact that he was just so sold out for Christ with that single purpose, it's like, oh, it doesn't matter if I don't get sleep, if it's hard, if it's uncomfortable. I'm so excited to be doing what God wants me to do. And that continues to challenge me now because I feel like I still need to work on having this much of that perspective every day. So please be praying for him as well if you do think about it. This was definitely, I would have to say, the highlight of our trip. And what you are seeing here is us praying over the village of San Juan where we stayed and also um, over the leadership, which is there in the center of who we're praying over. And throughout the week, we had been sharing the gospel through the village of San Juan um, but I would rather just read it in the words that I wrote in my, mir- in my miracle journal entry that night, which some of you may have read, but I would love to read it again. A great miracle happened tonight in this community of San Juan. Our team presented the story of Jonah and again emphasized the importance of Jesus giving us a second chance. And then a pastor who came from Letitia today, which is the community that was seven miles up the river, came and gave us a follow-up message to the story. He shared about how God can and will transform us through the gospel and how the people could have eternal life and overcome drugs and alcohol. He also talked to them about how God does give us a second chance and how we, our team, left everything in our comfort to bring the love of Christ, the gospel, and medicine to these people. He then gave the people the opportunity to raise their hands and to come forward to receive the gospel. The entire leadership team of the tribe and nearly all of the members came forward. It was a literal miracle before our eyes, and none of us could help but cry after being overwhelmed by the mighty power of God. We prayed over the people and over the leadership of the village, praying that God would continue to help them grow and that they would stand alone and be strengthened in their faith. 
This blew my imagination to see the way that God answered our prayer. And I'm so humbled to think that God allowed us to be used to bring the message of God to these precious people. It was a little taste of heaven, and to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit so strongly was indescribable. MMI, which is the organization we went with, said that a transformation such as this one we saw tonight has never been seen in their ministry since 2001. I attribute this to the power of prayer, and I greatly anticipate what God has in store. So I just, I want to share with you that none of us in our team could ever take credit for the things that happened on this trip and for the fact that this community as a whole came to know the Lord. And I really attribute that to the prayers that you all as a church prayed and for all those that were praying for us as we went. And I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for those prayers because it's still, honestly, I, I spend time thinking about the fact that we only hit five out of the many villages that are out there. And I do think about those people and I think, well, who's going to reach them? You know, God, is it me? Is it someone else? And so I just encourage you to be praying for the unreached peoples because, you know, I've, I've always heard about them. But when you finally see them and realize it's very real, those people really are there and they are people just like you and me, um, it becomes very real. And this is my last picture. It's the picture of the Amazon River. And, you know, life is a journey. And as I looked at this through the window and as I look at the picture again, you know, you see areas that are narrower and that are curvy and that are wider. But the whole point is that it continues to flow in one direction, in the, in the direction of God's will. And it is my prayer, you know, that God will help me live according to that purpose and just to realize that when you are going around a curve in life and you can't see when the curve ends, God has this perspective and he knows exactly where you're going, when you're going, how you're going to get there. And that is something that became very real to me in this trip, that when I am weak, then I'm strong in him and that God has a perfect will and that there's no reason for me to fear. If he's calling me clearly to go somewhere, he has this perspective and he has it all under perfect control. And I just want to close with um, one little excerpt from my journal. This trip has changed me. It has expanded my vision. It has completely blown my wildest dreams of what God at work looks like. It has increased my faith. It has drawn me closer to God. It has made me addicted to doing God's work. Completely unforgettable. Thank you, Jesus, for without you, none of this would be a reality. May all the praise, honor, and glory be to you. So I thank you all so much for um, just participating in this trip with me through prayer. And I would be happy to answer any questions later um, today or whenever. You can always email me or call me or catch me sometime um, because there's so much. I just scratched the surface of this trip this morning, but there's so much I could share about God's goodness and faithfulness through this. So thank you so much.